Thanks for listening again to another episode of Arquitácora. This is going to be a super exciting episode because right here I have my friend Albert Elias, who's a design technologist. He's an entrepreneur and he's an overall information architect. So um, I think it's going to be a super exciting episode. He's going to tell us about a little bit of about who he is, his opinions and peek about what type of narrative uh, the world of technology can tell us. So here's Albert. Hi Zoe, thank you for having me. Um, so nice to have you. Super excited to be here, thank you. For today's episode, we just have just some questions for you about basically just to get an idea about who you are and what you do. And my first question to you uh, was basically, how did you become an information or this data architect? So, I mean, it's it really, I think information architect is a term that I, um, I kind of came up with because um, I think it has a different term in computer science, but... Uh, really what I do now is I mostly work with information and data. So um, coming from an architectural background, I'm not no longer just designing uh, buildings or spaces, I'm actually manipulating and designing information. So um, for me, information architect is uh, sometimes you're designing things that are not necessarily seen and you're designing with patterns and algorithms and relationships um, that can have, they, they can be spatial in nature, but It's really about um, understanding information and then using that to develop a product, a technology, or a design. That's awesome. So when you mean as information, um, it's kind of like a conglomeration of the data that you're referring to to create something. Exactly. So it's, it can be a visualization. It can be a, um, a product or a algorithm or a software. Um, but really it's about using the design skills and approaches we use for designing a building and architecture, but instead we're using it for product architecture or user experience or um, trying to just solve a problem. So it's just using that second, that extra layer of information besides the uh, visual 3D representation of um, geometry and then adding those um, things that are not necessarily visual in nature, so data on top of that to make things more intelligent. Awesome, and um, how do you even, I see that you're very or, uh, data or, or numbers oriented, so how did architecture came to be your career? So, I mean, I think in reality, I'll eventually become a physicist. <laughs> I'm, very, <laughs> I'm very interested in um, science and nature, and I think my perspectives of the world resonate really well, or resonate a lot with how, um, My fascination with nature and science and um, physical phenomenon in this universe. So, uh, for me, I was always really interested in um, sciences. I used to study like chemistry and uh, biology and astronomy as a kid growing up, and I always thought that that's what I would do. Um, and I changed my uh, my uh, degree a few times in college. I went from engineering to um, aerospace engineering to um, Um, back into architecture so for me it was like more uh, more just an understanding of you know how I could take that interest and do something with it in a way that would be um, fulfilling for me 
And I always loved building things growing up. I always used to build with other Legos or whether it was like building like contraptions or forts or little inventions that I would make. I was always building and creating. So I always knew kind of in the back of my mind that I would be an architect um, because I just liked working with my hands. I liked, I liked making things, I liked creating. I was always very creative. Um, and so like, I guess what happened uh, is that when I was in engineering school, I felt that I didn't really appreciate or understand the, the value of creativity and engineering at the time. For me, the classes were very restrictive and very like, um, they weren't, I wasn't able to fulfill so much of an artistic or creative side in the classes. Um, but now looking back on it, I think that I would totally approach it in a different way. Um, but at the time, I felt like, you know, it's too restricted. So I thought, you know, architecture is this really nice medium between art and math and creativity and science. So um, that was, for me, it felt like, all right, natural for me to jump into that. So I changed my major and I started taking classes and I really thrived in it. It came super natural to me. Um, and it was just something that was really, uh, it felt really fulfilling. So I felt like I felt I was in the right place. Um, and then long story short, through architecture school, I realized that um, I'm, I really have a strong engineering side uh, of my approach to things. And I think it stems from this fascination with science and physics and um, the, uh, the natural world and how it works. So um, all of my architecture projects were basically rooted in understanding and designing with this perspective of not just the human perspective, but of um, one of a universal phenomenon. So a lot of it's geared towards um, designing at the level of a molecule, understanding how um, different Bio biologies or chemistries and reactions happen in materials, how that might, um, you know, expand upon uh, the, the experience of architecture, not just at the human level, but even at the ecosystem and environmental level. So um, this fascination with environmental systems and how all of that works um, is definitely at the core of a lot of the concepts I come up with in architectural designs. Um, and then stemming from there, basically, I realized that in order to capture all this information, you need to have a lot of data and a lot of um, ways to collect that information and then a lot of ways to then manipulate that information. So when you're looking at things like uh, geospatial information, GIS information, um, if you're looking at environmental data, it's these data sets are really, really, really intense as far as like the capacity or the amount of information you can get. And then, you know, understanding how that data translates into some kind of realization or an epiphany of what that can be used for. It's a totally, it's a big hurdle to get through whenever you're approaching things from a very visual perspective. Um, so I realized that in order to manipulate all that information, I had to um, teach myself how to manipulate the computer to a, a more uh, sensitive degree. So I started teaching myself computer programming. Um, I started taking classes in computer science um, while I was still in architecture school graduate school and then um, I basically you know from that learned that you know computer science and programming is super core to being able to take that information and actually manipulate it to create better uh, designs to create better um, problems or to create better solutions to problems right and create better technology so this hybrid of uh, computational design is where I'm at now which is really taking my architectural design background and experience and now blending that with my um, uh, computer science and um, um, information approach to design. So uh, I, I like to really just see it as an extension of um, what we do as designers, um, but with but using more of a, 
a scientific approach or more of a data data centric approach to how we design. That's really cool because I I see it as you're trying to find the theory of everything in within. That's why the reason why you were looking for um, engineering, then computer design, then you went to architecture. You just want to know a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, uh, I, I, I'm pretty much interested in just about everything. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you. Yeah, like, very hard and that comes also from the perspective of a physicist, yeah. about knowing the meaning of the world and why do we do the things we do. So, I, say I, I, um, I want to live a million lives in one life. <laughs> well, maybe one, maybe someday that we'll be able to do that. So I see that you're getting a lot of inspiration from these classes and the, the way that you uh, work in terms of how you produce their stuff. But, so this is a way that you get inspired or do you have any other special method to it? Um, that's a good question. Um, for me, inspiration is it's, it's not always consistent, um, but it's definitely always rooted in trying to understand the world. and trying to understand like people and myself, um, I think. Um, for me, it's always about uh, creating a story or creating a feeling. It starts, a lot of times it can just start from a feeling. Um, but inspiration for me is, yeah, like trying to understand the world a little bit on a deeper level. And it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, reality. You know, if it can right. change the way that I view something or perceive something in a, in a, just to make the world a little bit more interesting. Um, that, I think that's inspiring for me. Um, I'm not sure if an example would help make any sense, but um, it's kind of hard to answer that question. I know, I know. That's why. I, I'm, or maybe we can think it back on from like school. Like, how do you get inspired before you started a project, or when you do a project? How do you do a research process, or do you sketch, or do you make notes, or do you just dive right into it to see what you come up with? and start experimenting with what is there already or you just want to create it from scratch? You know, sometimes it's it's instinctive, meaning like I just have a gut feeling and that gut feeling is so strong that I just run with it and expand upon it. Um, sometimes this could be more of a scientific approach, meaning like I'm trying to solve a problem or optimize or capitalize on an opportunity. Um, so it's like, I think a combination of the two. Whereas like if I visit a site or I, I'm, I'm going to solve a problem, I might just see like a couple of things that really, really I find interesting. And I think what I'm really, what I ultimately do is I, I'm very good at abstracting things down to their, um, like abstracting information in a way that it becomes more and more um, less direct. This is really hard right. for me to put into words. I know, I know. Uh, it's, a, it's a complicated question, but I just wanted to see a little bit about what you see. I really, I really like to abstract ideas down to their core. And maybe that's something that a physicist would kind of do. Um, so even though I'm not trained as a physicist and I, uh, I would like to eventually get there, I think the way that I think it's all about abstracting information to get to this core fundamental understanding of what it is. So I do that with everything, whether it's uh, beauty or art or color or sound or information that I'm looking at on a site. I try to abstract it down to its core fundamental property that I find intriguing. And then I try to reinterpret that or expand upon it in a new way. 
So one, one thing I could say is like, when I look at, let's say, I'm looking at a plant or I'm looking at like a structural condition on a, on a site, um, I'm always trying to figure out what is the behavior of the logic that's happening in front of me. And then how can I gain inspiration or reinterpret that in a different way? Awesome. So yeah, yeah. And, my, and from my own point of view, I just when I start a project, I just start sketching and just start to creating. But you know, my my style, of, uh, the storytelling style, I just want to understand what people are gonna do in that space. I'm, I'm more about the people experience, and you're about the whole experience. I think I think it's like the first step for my design process is exploration and adventure. So like. I really like. I really just want to dive in and see as much and understand as much about it, and just explore in whatever dimension that that design is um, working in. So, if it's like a, a project for you know whether it's space architecture or right. building your house alongside of a coastline, um, I want to first explore that area and that view, whether it's an area of science or a physical site or. Um, a concept I want to just dive in and explore first and then from there I start to you know try to look at all the information and then abstract it into like what is the core what is the core fundamental property that connects all of these things together that's kind of how I if I put it into exactly. words I would say that's kind of what I do exactly no I think that's an amazing and and even the way that you're even expressing yourself and the way that you talk about it it kind of seems like a convoluted uh, not a convoluted, just like a process of ideas that just lead you to a place that eventually might create something or just experiment something and just like, like uh, become something anew or just continue yeah, exploring. It's, like, it's almost like I'm not really interested at looking at things as the way they are. I'm more interested in figuring out what is the core fundamental property that makes this the reality that I'm seeing. So like I'm, I'm not always taking things exactly how I see them. I, I, I try to understand that my perspective is linked to my past previous experiences and plus the way that my brain functions and sees the world. Um, and that there's a big gap between what we see every day as reality and what actually is reality. And a lot of that is based on perception and personality and I guess for me, I always try to figure out like this abstraction of what I'm seeing to figure out the core property or the the core value of or behavior. And then, you know, just to make things a little bit more interesting, how can you reuse that or manipulate it or change it in a different way? Right. So you will, will you say that's why do you believe in this type of gathering that gathering data and information that you study and actually teach what your what your yeah. field what's your mathematics field? is fascinating because it's it can be so artistic and beautiful but it's it's so rigid and and it's it's a logic it's a it's relationships it's patterns it's um it's really just how the world works you know so for me it's super interesting to see things from a mathematical perspective um, compared to like the human perspective. Um, I don't know, there's something really uh, nice about the two when you combine them together. Awesome. So like for me, like a lot of times computational design, I feel like it's too, it's too rigid and too focused on algorithms and data and optimization. 
and I like I like the mixing of two where sure you can have the most optimized structure but maybe just for fun we're gonna have like some like interesting like cute like a uh, more artistic combination involved into it so I think there needs to be a level of both um, otherwise you know that I guess it's like um, the most beautiful thing about a pattern is how it diverges or how it breaks apart um, of this platonic form right this perfect form um, things wouldn't be as interesting as like you know like I'm looking at these leaves right now and you know there's like this one leaf that's almost perfect you know but if all the leaves are perfect then you wouldn't have a really interesting world so it's like it's these differences and these scars or these probably a better word so I like to understand the core behavior and property and then I start to like basically create hierarchy or anomalies on top of that core property and reuse it in different ways I guess it's kind of like mutation mutation yeah. might be an interesting word um, and evolution evolution yeah 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 and the interse intersection of new organic bees like coming together and creating yeah i mean that uh, my thesis was based on the uh ha what happens when you design at a level of the molecule okay. so um nanotechnology um biomedical engineering um molecular engineering these are things that i'm super super interested in um when you are designing at that scale you're understanding you know you're not just making something out of a material you're making the material and then that material can make something on its own. So it's like you're you're developing a, an intelligent material from the start, almost like a nano computer, you know, that has its own level of intelligence and its own ability to design and create. So I don't know, these things are all in intertwined and intersected for me in the way that I think and the way that I design, but I'm not quite clear how they all line up just yet. No, and that's the and that's the question that we we have like because that's the question of life. How do we how do we progress to this? So speaking from there, like how do you see the design technologies right now that are in architecture, and how do you think are progressing? Do you think are we moving at a good pace, or do you think we should do some things differently? So like, what are your opinions on the matter? In technology in general? Yeah, I think that as amazing as the things that we're progressing are, and we should continue to keep progressing, I think the world needs to slow down a bit. I think this uh, whole coronavirus uh, pandemic that we're experiencing right now is a, a really good example of that. You know, um, I think the world of overconsumption and just pushing the next technology faster and faster without really taking a moment to step back and, you know, see how things have connected and to see how, like, to question, you know, what is the direction we really want to go? I think that's super important and I think that's something that we need to do more of. So I think, especially in a time like now, um, just taking moments of reflection as, a, as humanity, as a species, and really defining and deciding on where we want to go. And I think that's going to help. In doing so, I think that'll help us solve issues like, um, global warming and climate change. And um, so I think that's something that, yes, technology is definitely an amazing thing. And that's basically what I do every day. Um, I, I really think that as a species, as humanity, we need to just take a moment of reflection and look at our history and look at the, tra the trajectory of where we're going and make decisions for new technology based off of what we think is going to be best for the world we want to see rather than, than this like kind of reaction to, you know, uh, 
an, an economy or a society or, you know, this idea of like, I almost feel like we're at a point where technology and, under, and the, the understanding that technology moves fast creates more and more speed of technology. To exponential. And it's, like, and it's like, it's almost to the point that, you know, we're not even in control anymore. It's just like the technology, the computers are making their own computers. Robots are building robots. And it's like, it's almost like we're giving up. We're just like, kind of like, let's saying like, okay, this is the future. This is what's going to happen. We're not, we're not deciding our future. We're rather just watching it happen and unfold in front of us. So I think this idea of like taking a moment to step back and reflect is really important. Right. I, I, I agree with that. I think it's a movement that we're sometimes we're creating for just for the sake of creation and not really thinking about how we impact our surroundings. Uh, just well, because it's a, it's a social thing too, like wanting to be first in everything and wanting to compete with each other and to this whole social media like um, aspects, not just like um, Instagram or Facebook. It's also, you know, research papers, <laughs> like how people are trying to get published first and being the first to do this and the first to do this. And yeah, I so think, they can copyright it and, and then yeah, it comes out almost, of money. It causes an, uh, an unnecessary amount of stress on everyday life. And I think it's like this brush of competition to compete with each other that we're missing out on what we have already. Exactly. And I think this idea of slowing down and being more reflective is going to make us better designers, better scientists, better writers. Um, and I think that's something that we really need to do. I agree. I agree. Uh, since you're a technologist, I think it will be a kind of weird question to ask you this, but if you didn't do that today, what what would you do instead? You were saying physicist or like an engineer, but why? Um, I don't know. I just always had this fascination, fascinate, <laughs> fascination with nature. Um, and uh, I, I grew up on the water um, in South Florida. Like I was always on the beach or in the Everglades or um, on, a, on a lake somewhere. Like I was always raised by the water. So for me, there's something really um, essential there to my understanding of the world. It's like if it's, I'm always looking at like underwater worlds or oceans or lakes and I used to have fish tanks growing up and like I was always fascinated with the way that the natural world works and the way that water chemistry works and the way that plants grow um, and the way that um, there's these connected ecosystems between like uh, you know uh, nitrogen and carbon dioxide and the way that plants use both of them to create ecosystems it's I don't know I was just always fascinated with these processes and um, I was always studying them, and I'm not—I'm not an expert on any of it, <laughs> but I'm beyond fascinated with it. So um, I always try to like study it in, in different moments of time, and um, I use whatever information I gather in those projects or those uh, investigations to the best of my ability for design. Yeah, I ca I can see you doing something else, something crazy, being a bi biologist and surfing the waves. Yeah, yeah, I think I think if I was a uh, if I could choose the best way to spend my time uh, as a whatever occupation I would do is probably be just studying nature somewhere, whether it's on a boat, studying the ocean, or in the Amazon, studying the forest. Um, I, I'm really interested in that. So in Akitakara, we give like a very strong importance to the narrative to basically just tell your own story. 
and I wanted to see how how do you personally apply narrative in the work that you do, at, for example, at school at FIU, or even in your personal uh, projects with your own company. Um, so for me, it's it's this. It goes back to this idea of abstraction. Um, if you can take a problem or an opportunity and you can abstract it, you can find its core behavior, and then you can reinterpret that narrative using that core behavior. So you can be accurate and you can uh, optimize something or you can basically make a proposal, let's say for a building that is the, uh, maybe maybe it's not obvious to your client or to someone looking at it that that's the best option. But if you understood and abstracted the core behavior of the uh, information in front of you, right. um, you can then use that information and that behavior to rebuild your own narrative and basically you should prove and show that it's, it's the best option. But on top of that, you develop your own story that you're passionate about it. So it's like design can be very subjective. One person can exactly. say like, oh, I think this is beautiful. Another person can say, I hate it. But if, if you can prove that it's the best option or the best uh, solution to a design, no matter what it looks like, because you're using the this core uh, behavior of this uh, information it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you're using that core so it's like it's kind of a combination of problem solving as well as like your own personal passion and uh, your like architectural baggage all combined to create this narrative or this story so it's 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 almost like you want to craft uh, craft a narrative in a way that makes sense but is also you have to resonate it with it too in order to make it, in order to sell it, in order to inspire people with it. If, if it's not passionate to you and it's just fully optimized, then exactly. that's not going to be able to tell a good story or convince someone to invest in a project. But if it's also completely just your passion and there's none of this core um, logic that's driving it, then you, then it might, one person might like it, another person might hate it. It's going to just be totally subjective. So I basically drive stories through this combination of um, really this uh, this core fundamental understanding of the logic and the behaviors of how a system might work and integrate that into a narrative that I'm passionate about and the combination of the two. So I think that would be the way I could kind of explain, <laughs> explain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's basically creating that compromise or like between your visuals and the clients or the person that you're showing it to. So they can there be an understanding from both parties. Yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to design in order to be productive, uh, I, I believe you have to be passionate about it. So it's definitely going to be a part of the designer's heart and soul in, in the project. Um, but also for technology, user experience is really the, the core of technology. You know, you have to be able to really understand the opportunity that you're trying to give your client or um, the problem that they are really facing and you're trying to solve for them. So really understanding that user experience and more and more I, um, personalized information for me is, is key. How can I give you exactly what you need in the shortest, concise amount of way possible? and um, to give you a solution um, for that. So um, user experience is really important for that. Right. So do you think that there's a, a, a similarity between visual narrative in different fields since you're talking about this? Absolutely. Um, 
I mean, it's in everything. It's in the way that you talk. It's in the way that you write. It's in the way that um, you do anything, whether it's architecture, film, video games, um, drawing, painting. Uh, how? I mean, there's something interesting. Like, for example, uh, I might look at something and just from my own visual, like my eye, I might think, wow, that's really ugly. Let's say it's a table or furniture, like a piece, and I might or uh, uh, artwork. I might look at it and be like, "Wow, that's really ugly." Or maybe I look at it and I'm like, "Wow, this is beautiful." Um, but I realize the things that like maybe I don't like right away is I can give a story to this piece, meaning like um, it has like a feeling or an emotion. Like maybe the colors are really washed out, and that reminds me of like a certain place in time. Um, exactly. And if I can give myself like that story behind an object, then I'm gonna be more likely to think that it's beautiful, even if my first reaction is that it's ugly. And so I find that the, the narrative is super important,、um, more so than just proportion and like、uh, this like idea of、uh, physical beauty. You know, it's like something can be grotesque or, or really bizarre and、um, unproportionate, but. If you can give this story of, of or narrative to that, it can become really beautiful in the way that people perceive it. So this idea of perception, I think, is really key, to, and and I think it's why stories are so important、um, because perception is that you talk about like abstracting things to its core in mathematics. Like perception is that gap between you know the world that we see every day that the, the reality.、Oh, sorry. Perception is the gap between the reality and the world that we see every day, and、exactly. that can and that can be translated and manipulated and changed based off of this narrative. So narrative really for us drives everything about everything that we do. It's it's perception. Exactly, and in my own term for narratives is basically you're telling the public or you're telling a second person because even though. And、uh, the narrative we create is always for another person, because you can create it for yourself, but you're always hoping that you're like someone else will understand where you're coming from, and they generate their own perspective based on the information that you give them. So that's why I think interesting. When, I'm sorry. It's a way of communicating. Exactly. I think what, even years ago, like that's and that way of communications has been going around even before. The written word. Before we used to have、um, painting walls, and、yeah. so it's something that has always been there.、Um, my、uh, second to last question to you, Alfred, because we're all, we're we're we have been going on for a bit.、Uh, the term generalist has gained popularity in the last few years, especially in the last five years, and. By generalist, I mean the person that needs to know a little bit about everything. So basically, an architect. <laughs> And I wanted to your opinion about it. Do you think it's something that is true? That is not that someone that architects need to know a lot about everything, or our careers have to know about everything, or it's just something that is specific to one style of field. I think it depends on your personality. Um, there's some some people that are more of a、um, implementer or more of a、um, like they want to just solve the problem and they want to just focus on that problem or they want to find a solution to something or a specific field or、uh, area of interest. 
Um, and like, so I would imagine something like a, a scientist that's really focused on a certain area of science or an engineer that's really focused on a certain area of engineering. I think for them, like being specialized is super mm. helpful because you can get to a level of detail that if someone that's not specialized in, they're not going to be able to find the time to get all the way down to that core fundamental property. Um, but at the same time, I think that this needs to be um, balanced with people who are more ideators. So people who are more creative types are ideators. So meaning that someone might look at this problem and even though they don't understand the core details or fundamental properties of it, they can they can uh, create or look at it in a different way or perspective and they can then um, help see it in a new way that m might be actually um, a better a better direction than looking at like all the information at a very detailed level. So, I mean, it's like Albert Einstein, right? He A lot of the things he uh, developed in his lifetime, he was saying um, like the theory of relativity came from his imagination more so than a really concrete, detailed, uh, mathematical focus and it's this idea of like um, just this question of like um, you know this intuition of what happens when you travel at the speed of light exactly. and that's something that comes from um, I think inspiration in arts and other areas of um, focus rather than a specific very detailed field so I think the world needs both um, and for architects designers and um, like people who build their own companies, entrepreneurs, you need to know a little bit about everything, um, more so than you need to be specialized. So I think that the world really, at the moment, um, is starting to realize more and more that this knowing a little bit about everything is really important. And they, they coined this phrase, design thinking, which we you know is like exactly what we do in architecture. Um, exactly. But I think that's why you see a lot of architects, they become CEOs of top companies and um, even if it's not anything to do with building or construction, because we're, we're taught and we have the skill sets to look at a whole wide range of possibilities and problems and opportunities and we can then connect the dots and propose a solution in a very beautiful, eloquent way. And it's part of that is narrative and story building and also selling, you know, if you're, if you're a CEO. Um, so I think the world needs both. Right. And do you think that since we have this access uh, nowadays to like online classes and um, basically the information has been more real, readily available to a large amount of people, do you think eventually uh, the term specialist will disappear? Because now we will have access to all type, kinds of information. Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that definitely you benefit from having a wide range of perspectives um but i think there's also those personality types where like it's definitely not me it's the complete opposite of me but there's definitely personality types where they find the one thing that they truly love and are interested in and they thrive in it and they can just go to such a deep level with it and a very intimate level with it and i think that that's something that really comes down to personality um And I mean, we have information and in internet right now, and you still find these people that they just they just do this one thing and they do it so well, and they're artists at, at it. And I think that that's something that's more of a personality rather than like a, a result of um, what what we have today as far as technology and information. On the other hand, I think technology and information is actually overwhelmingly um, 
uh, not not conducive for productive for for living life and living a really optimized or efficient life. Um, I think we have so much information and so much data that it's very hard to find what you're really looking for. And um, part of that is really just trying to filter the internet and filter all this information. Okay. Um, so one of the projects I'm working on is called Bird Brain. It's really this: um, how do you use um, uh, artificial intelligence to understand enough about you as a person to be able to then uh, filter the internet for all the information that's relative to what you're looking for. So this personalized information is super important, and I think that's something that. Right now, the internet is super inflated. There's so much new and more and more information that's not relevant and redundant and reused, and it's just uh, at, at the access to your fingertips constantly. So, how can we leverage technology to, you know, really optimize this in a way that it's not just used for ads, but actually to get you the information that you need? And I truly believe that it's not just a matter of using AI to optimize the internet. You first have to know, um, you know, yourself. You first have to do some reflection. You have to know, like, what what is uh, important to you, and you have to do your homework and understand. What do you really want out of life first? So this kind of like life coaching approach, I think, is really important before you even start searching. Um, the second thing is like, how do you then support that? Like, so let's say you figure out what you want to do. What? How do you have the financial model to do so? We're not really taught any of this. We're not taught how to be introspective and to learn about ourselves.、Uh, we're told what we're supposed to do. So figuring out what you really want to do is really crucial and hard. And, The first step, and the second step is being able to fund those efforts. I don't think that we're really taught how to、um, create a good financial model, or <laughs> you know, how to how to be successful once you have that idea. And the third step is then how do you then? So let's say you have the financial model, you have you know exactly what you want to do. Where do you go to find the information? And that's where Load Brain is really trying to do is trying to capital、uh, trying to optimize all three of those for people so that they can really live their life in a way that's not. Working, like I don't think people need to be working 40 hours a week. You know, I think we should just work like three days out of the week, and the rest should just very European. <laughs> yeah, the rest should just be enjoying and focusing on the beauties of life and reflection, and you know, spending time with loved ones.、Um, I think if 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 you had a platform that could optimize and and really personalize information,、um, I think most of our time is spent looking. And searching for things, and we don't even know why we're searching for them, and we're just like kind of running around without really like having this really like focused and optimized way of getting information. And I think、um, it's it goes back to technology. It's just it's it needs it, we need more of that reflection, and we need we need more of that、um, that understanding of where we're going. Yeah, I I agree with all this, but. <laughs> I think we have uh, one, uh, time for one more question for you, Albert. And I, after all this talk, I just wanted to ask you if you feel what do you have learned with、uh, architecture in the end for you personally? Do you think you will study it again? Will go? You will go through the five years of architecture <laughs> again?、Um, do you think you will do it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think I would.、Uh, I think architecture for me is a living laboratory.、Um, it's it's、uh, an area of study that you can take any form of idea, whether it's science, mathematics, art, philosophy, and you can actually create something that's useful for people from those ideas. So it's like. 
a scientist might do a research in a lab and publish a paper, but there's a lot of really strict regulations with science and how it's being conducted in order for it to be science. For architecture, you could just take a small sliver of that idea or that concept, that technology, that biological process, and you can just expand on it and create a whole new world from it. And it's perfectly valid in that sense. As long as it's creating something that's useful for people or the environment, it becomes this living laboratory. So it's like, it's, it's, it, it's, it can be scientific in nature, it can be artistic in nature, but it's like you can kind of, you have this flexibility to merge the two worlds and just create something entirely new. And the best part about it is that it's being seen and used by people um, and it can influence and benefit people's lives. So it's really, for me, the perfect medium to conduct all this research and to um, expand and transcend all these ideas. Yeah, no, I agree because, you know, for me, architecture, I, I've been having my love and hate relationship for the past few years thinking that maybe I should go into cinematography or just stick with VFX because that's kind of what my I'm into. I, I love to create these stories that are animated and people are able to see it. But um, I realized that architecture gave me the way to understand spaces and sense of scale and gave me the advantage that normally if this specialist careers, sometimes they help you focus and be very good at a point, but I feel that architecture, as you were saying, it gives you the chance to change. Uh, like you, you can move around and becomes this lab, as you were saying, of yeah, I creative. Don't see, I don't see the difference between architecture and um, technology. Um, for me, it's just another form of technology. Um, it's being because you're developing something for people, for people to use and for people to benefit from. Um, and I mean, like when you look at something like film and cinematography, um, you know, it's just being viewed. But architecture is being viewed, it's being felt, it's being heard, it's being like, it's all of the senses, you know, it's like, and a lot of times that could be like technology as well. So for me, architecture and technology are we're getting back to like this understanding the core yes. fundamental and the core behavior of everything for me architecture is just technology but um i think it, it's the culture of what the architectural world brings it's this uh the culture of an architect is what makes it different from typical technology and i think that comes down to this idea of um this com this 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 history of um art and um engineering combined into what architecture is and uh, the way that we tell stories through it. Uh, and I completely agree with that. I, 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 see, I see what you're seeing and, and, and then I think it's architecture, that's why architecture is so exciting. And even though it's crazy to do so because only a crazy, only us crazy people uh, and very uh, a minimal amount of people go through that uh, through the five years and actually get the degree. It's always at least good to have some type of architectural knowledge. In general, just take one class or just to get yourself into this new realm of design. Yeah, absolutely. And so it's I, very hard to, to explain these concepts. I think we'd have to do this podcast at least four more times in order for us to pick the right words to explain these ideas. Um, and maybe part of that is also, you know, me not reading enough into the, into the terminologies or histories of these things and how they're typically expressed. but. Um, definitely these ideas are hard to translate. Yeah, that's why the conversation, uh, that's why the core of this show is just about talking 
on the narratives of everyone so they can see that even though we're kind of different in the end we have some similarities that helps us become a, a bigger community that we thought we were mm-hmm. um, and I think I I think that's everything I think that's every all the questions that I have for you for this episode and I just wanted to really, really thank you for being the first person and being here and just telling you who about who you are and, and what drives you because I think it's fascinating from your point of view and how you see this world in a mathematical and like wholeness way while I see it as a way to, to like how the person walks and the framing up, framing up, um, a picture and you see it in the whole thing so it's always interesting to see the contrast as both being architects thank you for having me and letting me uh, have the time to explain um, <laughs> definitely i think if uh, if you call me another day it might be a completely different conversation conversation right <laughs> <laughs> it does change every single day but um yeah today is uh my my explanation for sunday <laughs> <laughs> well that's a, that's a good day to explain Uh, well, I think that's it for this episode of Arquitecora. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, please don't forget to go to iTunes and give, leave a little review and li- write that little comment and the, those five stars that help us appear more and more and grow this community. Uh, so, again, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I'm your host, Soy Rusia Moreno, saying goodbye once again. We'll hear each other in the next episode of Arquitecora. Keep on creating. Thank you for listening. Bye.